WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. It's 822. Joining me on the phone right now is Tackle Terry Tuma. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? On a, uh... Good morning, Kevin, and good morning, everyone. I'm just great. Look at the weather. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Going to be a couple of uh, nice days here this weekend anyway, so no, no, no doubt a good time to, to try and get out anyway. I know that the fishing's been a little bit slow, but... Uh, um, yeah, what the heck? Still a good time to get out there. It really is. And if you really work at it, uh, Kevin, you are going to catch fish. The mm-hmm. biggest factor is uh, locating. I was just out yesterday, in fact, and um, it was a tough bite. I moved a ton, but they're also uh, getting ready for snowmobile races. With all that extra noise, that did oh, yeah. not help, especially with no, you know, basically no snow cover and clear body of water, mm-hmm. along with the fishing pressure, it created a tough bite. Yeah, I mean, we just have no snow cover here at all. I mean, my yard is is completely bare right now of any kind of snow, and and it's just uh, uh, this just seems like we're we're like a month early or so from from what it normally is. So, yeah, well, we've had, we still have quite a bit of snow on the ground, uh, hmm. but on the lakes, Kevin, the snow has melted, and due to we had a lot of rain, mm-hmm. we have some. Extremely good ice conditions. In fact, to the point now that you may have to put an uh, extension on your outer. Really? Wow! So it's yes, still yeah, it's it, still pretty thick where where you are, and you're you're more in uh, uh, kind of central Minnesota. So just uh, yes, for, south for, central near. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the Mankato area, mm-hmm. Faribault area, some of those locations. Yeah. So uh, a little bit different, here. boy. You know, uh, there's just a lot, so much open water here on the uh, on the main channel, and and you know some of the backwater areas are starting to open up down here too, and uh, it's just uh, it's just amazing. You know, how, I mean, you know, what is it, a, a couple of hours or whatever over to to your area there, and I mean, it's just uh, amazing how much different the conditions can be in 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 a relatively short amount of you know time and space or distance anyway. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, I think what really helped a lot, Kevin, we had that snow and then that warm-up and then it got cold and then the rain, mm-hmm. and that rain uh, actually melted the ice out of the snow cover and now has formed ice, and now we're going to be able to, and you can, um, I cannot speak for all lakes, but you're able to drive on the lakes not being uh, concerned about getting stuck anymore. Mm. Well, yeah, well, that's that's true, and, and uh, at least here anyway, it's... Uh Maybe a bit of a challenge. I know we had uh, at least one vehicle in the last several days go through the ice here. So uh, again, it's uh, <laughs> it's amazing how how conditions can vary so much. And again, you know, we're getting to that time of year too, where uh, where the conditions are going to fluctuate greatly, uh, wow. in, in, depending on where you're at. Well, you're right, Kevin. But the other factor, too, that we have to realize, every lake is different, seems like, this year. I don't know if you've seen the um, stories on Lake Minnetonka, mm-hmm. but they were telling uh, anglers to get their wheelhouses off right now uh, because it's about poor ice condition. But it, here again, it varies so much from body of water to next body of water. And the other factor, though, even though it's getting going, it's supposed to get colder, uh, is that we got long days, high intensity sun, and that, mm-hmm. and if you get some wind, that can really change the lake appearance itself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it it, it uh, it's it's just one of those it, it's one of those seasons where you just never know what the uh, what the ice conditions are going to going to be like. And it, again, it's so important to to check those ice conditions before you go out on a 
uh, a body of water that that maybe you're not you know 100 percent familiar with even the the ones you are kind of familiar with it's worth stopping and checking and and seeing what those ice conditions are like unless you're out there every single day well you're 100 percent correct because like i said every lake has seemed like it's different this year uh, because of the fluctuation in temperatures. You know, also, too, are they shaded? Uh, you know, are they a bowl? What kind of structure do they have? There's so many factors in these ice conditions, and we, ha- as you mentioned, we have to monitor those. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That uh, is, uh, is so important. And the, and the other thing, too, is is that, at least here anyway, the, the bite has been a little bit tougher, and like you were talking about uh, at the beginning here, too, uh, it has been a little bit, uh, a little bit of a, a, a tougher bite. What uh, you know? What have you been doing to to sort of overcome that? And you said you were moving around a lot, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, there really is, Kevin. Great question. Um, I've had a, quite a few people ask me how many rods do you take with you. I usually take between five and seven rods, mm-hmm. and the reason being is they're all pre-rigged with different lures, and it's just amazing. And so many times, how one lure will catch the fish, and then Fifteen minutes later, it's going to be a different lure. And the same thing when you're talking about, you know, the urolarvae and the waxworms, um, using the red versus the white versus waxies. And um, I was just out, and it had to be three waxworms on a on a jig or vertical jigging spoon. And then the next time out, they wouldn't even look at a waxworm. I tried one, I tried two, nothing. So then I went to urolarvae, starting with three, a white, and then two, and then one. And I switched over to red. It was just amazing how these fish react, how they change from day to day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it, uh, <laughs> it's amazing how finicky they can they can be at times, especially. And you would think this time of year too that you, you know the the finding of of their their food sources would be a little bit more challenging to find after uh, you know after this winter period here. But uh, uh, yeah, they just developed that that. Uh, finicky nature or, or more particular nature, and it changes just on a whim sometimes. Oh, you're right. And the other factor, too, why electronics are so terribly important mm-hmm. is that the crops we've been catching have been four feet underneath the ice, Kevin. Yep. And then the sunfish were about five feet below the ice. And then another factor, too, I was marking the sunfish, catching sunfish, and all of a sudden I get this big red band about a foot above uh, the sunfish. I bring the lure up, and it was a big sunfish that hit. So it's so uh, unbelievable, and maybe more so this year, how these fish are reacting um, to these kind of environments. Uh, it's totally different than usually in the past. Mm-hmm. Normally you don't catch fish, you know, and we've been catching these crappies four feet below the ice throughout most of the winter. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and we've we've talked about that a little bit in the past, and and yeah, you bring up such a a good point is is you know having those electronics and being able to 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 see what's what's going on down there, and you know, I mean, and if you didn't have it, you'd have never known those larger sunfish might have, you know, you might not have ever known those larger sunfish were even there. Well, that's exactly right, and I think the concept for most anglers, you know, walleyes crappie, sunfish, jumbo perch is, you know, closer to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have any electronics, you're actually, you're fishing blind. Uh, you have no idea, you know, where these fish are at in that uh, column of water. And that applies to so many different species of fish. We so are so um, brainwashed, if you will, you know, six inches off the bottom, a foot off the bottom, two feet off the bottom. We forget underneath the ice and down. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And, uh, 
like yeah, and we've and, and like I said, we've we've talked about this more this year, and it seems like those fish are just doing much more suspending than uh, than maybe they have in the past. I I don't you know if it's just if it's just what we're seeing or or, or what the what the you know what the change is, but uh, uh, yeah, and and you're you're exactly right. Without those electronics. You know, you're fishing blind, and and the nice thing about this time of year, anyway, is is that you know it's m- so much more, so much easier to to use those electronics to to pinpoint where those fish are, where they are in the water column, and just get all of that data to make things so much easier to, well, at least to find the fish, not necessarily to catch them, though. You're right, and that's a it's a big factor. The other thing too is that when we're sitting in the fish house or sitting on a bucket or whatever is that we've got to keep on thinking. Uh, just personally, what I'll, I do um, once I'm in summertime, Kevin, mm-hmm. uh, if, I'm even, if I'm catching fish or if I'm not catching fish or catching a few fish, what am I going to do next? What am I uh, going to do next? And this has just been sort of a normal process for me. And I think we as anglers, you know, we have a tendency, in fact, I was just talking to somebody the other day, we, you know, we have this tendency to become very complacent. Uh, we catch a couple of fish maybe the first half hour, and then all of a sudden it slows down, and maybe we get another fish and so forth. Then we become sort of, well, hey, we're not doing too bad, but we need to really address that situation by what can I do next, what should I be doing now, and then by doing that, many, many times you're going to increase your success. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and you know, regardless of what that might be, whether it's you know, changing lures, changing uh, you know, what, you're, what you're tipping those lures with, um, Maybe moving around. I mean, it just there's so many factors. Yeah, you have to be, and you know, <laughs> and with this, you know, it's one thing in the summertime. It's not, you know, you can be a little, maybe a little more complacent, if you will. But uh, in the wintertime, it's, you know, <laughs> it's it's a little colder. There's a little more urgency, at least for me anyway. That you know, it's like okay, if I'm not having, uh, you know, as much success as I think I should have, you know, it's 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 time to change things up, and whether that's moving or. Trying a new different, you know, different lure, different bait, what have you. Uh, you know, um, you, you, you have to be thinking about that, like you said, all the time. Yeah, you really do, and I think so often we just, you know, we we have a tendency, you know, spend an hour, a couple hours out there, and we just say to us, well, these fish really aren't going, let's back up and go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, that's a major negative. Uh, you know, if you're marking fish, you should be able to figure out how to catch these fish. I also believe that so many times, you know, crappies, sunfish, and walleye, we have a tendency to overjig. You know, by you know, we hear so much about pounding the bottom. Pounding the bottom is not always good, uh, and you can definitely you know, identify this on your electronics. Uh, you know, if you're marking a fish and all of a sudden that fish disappears, you and you uh, you done it, or you seen that go off the screen, and you were jigging quite a little bit, maybe too much, and all of a sudden that fish left. That means you're oh, you spooked the fish, Kevin, mm-hmm. and so therefore we got to monitor jigging. I, I, I've had some great success with very subtle jigging and really working with that jigging action, just monitoring that Vexar screen constantly, and then it really gives you an indication how much jig or how much not to jig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something I don't think a, a lot of uh, anglers typically think about in terms of that, that combination between what they're doing physically and, and that connection between that and the electronics and, and watching how those fish are going to react. Because you will see those, you, you, will, you will be able to see it. Oh, yes. Yeah, you could, you know, and I've seen it so many times over the years where you're marking some fish and 
Maybe you got a tough bite. Maybe you don't have a tough bite, and you jig a speck too much. It doesn't have to be much, and all of a sudden that uh, fish gets spooked, and away it goes. So therefore, then it's so, and that's where that always thinking means uh, a lot for us, uh, because we have to monitor how much jigging action the size of the lures. Of course, as you mentioned, you know, tipping it with waxes or ear larvae, these are all big ingredients in catching fish, especially the sunfish and crappies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, 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 you know, those, those scent trails are, uh, it, it, just to, to touch on that as well, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's something, too, that, uh, you know, it's going to, it's like what we eat. You know, it, you know, a hamburger smells different than a hot dog and, and so on and so forth. Same thing with these, you know, whether it's a, a live minnow or... Uh, a waxy or ural larvae, you know, that scent trail is is going to be, uh, you know, another critical factor, too, that uh, that the fish are going to want to hone in on. Well, you're exactly right. And, you know, and I was just having a thinking about, or just thinking about, you know, why these fish wanted three waxworms, uh, and then the next day, uh, three waxworms didn't work at all. Two didn't work. One didn't work. So I had to switch over to your larvae. And so, therefore, then these fish are always asking for something different. And, you know, even with the three wax from you, think, well, this is really going to be an aggressive fish. They were not. So it had to be, you know, as you mentioned, scent is such an ingredient in catching fish, maybe more so, or more so in the wintertime, but their environment has changed 100%. And, you know, that's where noise is such an ingredient. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many in, uh, factors here that can create a real good bite or a real negative bite, and that's something we have to work with. And, you know, yes, it you know, so many times you think, well, I'm not going to do that. That's a lot of work. Yes, it is a lot of work, but many times that work is going to create a success. It, exactly, exactly. Well, and, and that kind of ties in, too, with uh, what you were talking about earlier is having, you know, different rods rigged up, uh, you know, taking taking a number of rods out onto the ice with you, uh, you, you know, and, and, you know, just makes it easier. Hey, maybe I'm, you know, I, I've got one hole. I'm fishing, you know, some, some waxies here. Uh, maybe I'll try instead of a minnow. I'll try some ural larvae. It's just, you know, it makes it so much easier to make those switches and change things around on the as you make adjustments uh, out on the ice. Yes, and, and just to give you an idea, Kevin. Uh, it got to the point a uh, few days, a few trips out, uh, where I didn't even take the wax from the ural larvae off the hooks. I, I kept changing, but you know, you don't, you want good fresh bait, yes. Mm-hmm. But if you're changing constantly, uh, why waste time? Why waste bait and keep it on? Especially with your larvae, you can do that. Uh, and it was just amazing how this would work. And what you try to do is develop some sort of a pattern. And I will be honest with you, there's a time frame you can develop a pattern. It's scratching one fish at a time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, again, it, it, it all just comes down to, to, to being prepared ahead of time and, and, you know, having all that, you know, Having the having the, the 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 different baits, the different rods, the different uh, jigs, perhaps, and you know, it just all comes down to uh, and really, and we've we've touched base on this uh, before as well. It all just comes down to to planning ahead before you've even set foot on the ice, having all that stuff ready to go before you even leave the house. 
Oh, there's no question about it. Yes, you know, what you, you know, you have to figure out, you know, what time of the day are these fish going? Uh, what kind of fishing pressure is there? Uh, what kind of snow cover is there? How about the weather? These are all factors that you really need, as you mentioned, to address. And I usually pre-rig uh, the day before, the night before I go out, Kevin. Uh, I think it's so important for us uh, to consider that, to do that. But otherwise, you know, you're going out there and, and you're just, you're not sure what you're going to do. Uh, uh, maybe you get out there and you feel well. You know, I'm marking some fish, but I don't know what to use, or I'm going to try my standby lure. Sure, if that standby lure is catching fish, that's great. But if it is not, you have to change. And, you know, uh, to really be successful wintertime and summertime, one, you and I talked a little bit about this in the past, but it's focusing, patience, persistence, and experience, and also experimentation. Yep. Exactly. And one of the other things, too, that, that I wanted to touch on, and you, you mentioned here and that, that jogged a thought I had, is as we work our way a little bit later into the season here as well, what, what are you looking at in terms of, of time that these fish uh, are, are becoming more active? Are, are they, you know, is it a little bit later in the day, the middle part of the day? What, uh, what are you seeing as, as we get a little bit later into the season here? It varies a lot, Kevin. Um, generally speaking, if you've um, got a sort of a hot lake, if you're a hot body of water, it can go all day long without any, uh, you know, any time frame. In fact, right now we've been catching these fish about nine o'clock to uh, to one in the in, throughout the day. Not that early morning bite, mm-hmm. and it really varies a ton. You know, the other factor. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, with the time of the day, and so you know. Late ice is always productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, here again, your safety is a big factor. But two, uh, what you have to understand here too, and I, you hear the comment, "Well, fish are moving shallow. Fish are moving." I hear that all the time. Well, we've been out on lakes uh, late, late ice, and we've caught our sunfish and crappies in thirty feet of water. Yeah. Uh, so here again, too, you've got to keep an open mind. Uh, you do not want to fall into this concept of well. They should be here. They should be here. You should be doing that. You should be doing that. I think it really amounts to us as anglers to figure it out when we're on the body of water. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, too, and 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 to just tie in what what you just said, too. Again, it goes back to to you know having those electronics. You know, thirty feet of water, you wouldn't. You know, a lot of folks wouldn't necessarily think that that that's where you're going to find the fish. But you know, without those electronics, you're never going to know that they're there. Well, that's right, and, and you know, and uh, I will be very honest that the Late, late ice bite can be very, very uh, productive. The reason being, one, is you have water running either underneath the ice on the shore or through holes or a spring or whatever. Yep. And that really, really creates the uh, fish to start to really become active. But if a front comes through, they're going to really shut down. They're going to go usually to deeper water. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and the other, the other to kind of follow up along that as well, and, and you mentioned this, uh, a, a little earlier too is that you know there really on a lot of lakes uh, there really isn't much in the way of snow cover so it's just it's just bare ice and even if it is thicker ice you know how does that impact what you're doing out on the ice? Well, you know, thicker ice obviously is going to you know cushion the noise somewhat, uh, but also too uh, what we have to understand you know it's 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 
clear it's clear water underneath the ice, but it's also darker because of the thickness of the ice. Mm-hmm. And you know, if it's a refreeze of snow, a refreeze of rain, uh, that all creates a different uh, habitat underneath the ice. So, and the noise noise is such a factor, Kevin, especially on some of these bodies of water that have a lot of traffic. I don't mean just four wheelers and side by sides and vehicles, but also snowmobiles. Uh, it's just amazing how uh, this can affect uh, the fish. I was out fishing uh, on a Sunday a couple, I think a couple weeks ago, and I, so I knew what was going to happen. It was uh, just a gorgeous day. I did go out, I did catch fish, but it was just amazing how these people drove out, cut holes uh, all over the body of water, all over the area I was fishing, and it really started to slow the fishing down. Uh, so noise is such an ingredient. We so often think, well, you got all this ice thickness out there. Noise can't be a factor. I will assure you it's a major ingredient in turning off fish. It's, it's amazing, and I, I think people don't necessarily understand uh, and you, you, you've talked about this when it comes to ice fishing, but I, I don't think people necessarily understand, uh, and, and it, it's, it's a kind of a science thing, but how much noise can actually travel underwater uh, and, and how far it can actually travel. Oh, yes, you're right. And an individual was out fishing, a friend of mine, and he said he always catching with small fish. He was wondering why. And it's been a good lake-producing good sunfish and crappies, but he was telling me they had some sort of car races out there, mm-hmm. uh, even way on the other end of the lake, but you could hear there was, when I was just out uh, yesterday, I could hear the snowmobile, uh, they're having a snowmobile race out there, so they were sort of pre-trial, uh, yep. the machines. It was just amazing, Kevin, how that noise traveled, and I know it affected the fish. And then besides that, and the friend of mine brought up a very good point, when you have all that commotion on the ice, you are creating uh, wave action underneath the ice, and that also is going to be a deterrent in catching these fish. So there's a lot of factors. We just have to keep a very open mind. We have to monitor what's going on, and if we do, we are going to be successful. You know, if you got a lot of commotion, in fact, this friend of mine called me when I was just coming off the lake yesterday, and he said, I'm going to go to a different lake. Uh, he was so concerned about all this extra noise out there. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it, it's actually the, the lake I... I Grew up next to, uh, you know, we, there would be car races like every weekend, uh, and I don't think you ever really saw any uh, anybody fishing out there. It was just, you know, car races, and, and they used a big chunk of the lake for that. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure the fishing, if anybody had gone out fishing those weekends, that uh, it probably wasn't the, uh, wasn't the greatest in terms of, of fishing because, again, that noise just will... You know, the noise, the vibration, uh, the, the fish will sense all of that and uh, just, you know, it just turns them right off. Well, it really does, you know, and then, and then you, you do have that current underneath the ice, and, you know, and the ice bends, Kevin. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when it's bending, that's creating different um, motions underneath the ice, uh, sort of a commotion, if you will, and these fish react to that. You know, their their environment has changed. Their environment has changed in the wintertime anyway, and we're dealing with uh, fish that don't, are, shall we say, relaxed as far as metabolism. They don't need as much food and so mm-hmm. forth. So there's a lot of factors that we have to really take uh, in consideration when we before we even go on the ice, as you mentioned, you know, being prepared, uh, plan of attack, uh, monitoring what's really happening on a specific body of water. Then ask yourself, uh, you know, if you caught some fish, you know, why did I catch these fish and what did I do? Why are they here? Yep. 
exactly. And uh, it, there's just so many variables and, and so many things. You know, it, it's hard enough going out there and, and uh, for lack of a better term, you know, making it a positive experience when there's so many, uh, you know, opportunities for things to go negative, whether it's the noise or vibration or, you know, other people drilling holes nearby or driving on the ice. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's enough of a challenge anyway, just to figure out, you know, what the fish are biting on and, and finding the fish to begin with. And, and, you know, it, 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 that's kind of, in a way it makes it, you know, you know, you solve that whole riddle, if you will, you know, it makes it, makes it fun. It makes it enjoyable and everything, but, but a day's, you know, there, it can be a bit frustrating to, to try and, and, and figure out the, the equation, if you will, and, um, you know, still not be able to, to, to make it happen. Well, yeah, you're right. And, you know, I focus on individual the other day. I really enjoy uh, fish that aren't biting. I shouldn't say that, but it's very true because it offers a challenge. Uh-huh. And it's fun exactly. to figure out that challenge. Like you said, a riddle. Yes, fishing is nothing more than a process of elimination. It's a puzzle. And, you know, once we figure out that puzzle, we can be uh, very, very successful. But that's, you know, I tell so many people, especially at seminars, you know, if we go out and catch fish every day, all day long, our limit day after day, there would not be a challenge out there. We probably wouldn't go out there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't be, uh, uh, it wouldn't have that, that enjoyable uh, aspect to it. I mean, it would be fun, maybe relaxing, but, you know, after a while, it's like, okay, I'm always catching fish. It's, you know. Uh, it's you know too easy to 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 make happen. So you know having those challenges uh, really on a daily and and like you've been talking about even on an hourly basis or you know less than a, you know it changes uh, very rapidly out there. You know that that you know that's sort of uh, working the brain to to figure it all out. That that makes it that that I think makes uh, makes it a lot of fun. Well, it really does, you know, and, you know, when we're talking about that, you know, I don't know how many times I hear about color, 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 and, you know, does color make a difference? It is amazing how color makes such a difference. Uh, you know, going out there, I've had some great success with chartreuse and then also with pink, and here again, too, it can vary from day to day, uh, from hour to hour, um, you know, using, you know, uh, catching some fish with uh uh, the uh, small jigging uh, jigging wraps, the number mm-hmm. two size, uh, you know, these are something that people don't use, uh, but it's just amazing how these uh, fish react to these different conditions. And if we don't accept that change, we are not going to be very successful. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And and the other thing, too, uh, and, and you, you've, you've touched on it uh, a little bit as well, how much more moving around are you... Uh, doing as we get into the later season, are you you finding that you're having to move much more than than you normally would earlier in the season? Uh, it's really very dependent. Good question, Kevin. Uh, generally speaking, uh, it's going to be dependent again on weather conditions, lake construction, and fishing pressure. Those are the three factors. You know, I do try to stay away from the community holes if I mm-hmm. possibly can. If I can't, I go out to the outside edge. But generally speaking, uh, I move. You know, yesterday I moved, I think, three t- three times. I didn't fish all day. I had to get back to my office. But uh, just constantly moving from, you know, 12 feet to 9 feet to 17 feet. And, you know, that's something we just have to do. But here again, you know, as you mentioned in the previous program, you have to focus. And I think that's a main word that we have to do and we have to understand it. 
And, you know, here too, you know, we think I was using the same color jigs for the whole uh, winter, basically, same style of jig, I'll say it that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was just amazing where all of a sudden I caught a few sunfish or crappies on a chartreuse jig, and then nothing goes. So I switched to a pink jig and then pick up a few more, then maybe going to uh, a a vertical jigging spoon or something uh, different. It was just amazing how these fish reacted. The other two is I don't know how many times I set the hook, and it's an air hook. You know, there's nothing there. But, you know, because I think there's a fish there, you can see it on your Vexar. I should say, you know there's a fish there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, your lure is covered up by that red band. Set the hook. You know, you and I said many, many times, the hook sets are free. And, you know, how many times I think have our anglers picked up their rod and whoop, there's a fish on. You know, they didn't even know it. And yeah. it, uh, spring bobbers have been really a key ingredient for me catching fish this winter. Yep, exactly. And, you know, again, they're, they're, they're very light uh, bites this time of year. And, um, and again, is that something that you see sort of uh, evolve maybe isn't quite the right word, but the change as we, uh, you know, as the season progresses, that light bite, you know, as, as we get a little closer to spring, maybe those fish get a little more aggressive and they're not necessarily as, as subtle as they have been in the, the earlier stages of winter. Well, I, I don't really think that they, you know, that they change their, shall we say, attitude. Uh, it's going to be, again, so dependent. One is available food sources. That's a big factor. Mm-hmm. And, and the size of the food sources, are they hungry? Are they not hungry? Uh, and we have to understand, too, these fish don't feed as much as they do in the winter, summertime. Like walleye sometimes can uh, fill up, if you will, and not feed for two days, Kevin. Mm-hmm. So just because you're marking fish, they're you might not catch these fish whatsoever. And then, two, you know, uh, the other, and I just, I'm sort of going away from your question, but, you know, so many times we have to jig to attract these fish in. I, I, too often I think we just be some so complacent with using a bobber system or maybe a dead stick system, and many, many times that does not and will not produce whatsoever. Yeah, you've got to have some sort of something to, to for those fish to kind of key in on and then, a static, if you will, uh, a static lure that that maybe would would work at other times, but yeah, you've got to you've, you've got to put a little something into it to 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 get those fish to make another you know take another little step towards uh, towards biting on that lure. Oh yes, there's no question about it whatsoever. You know, and I call sunfish our curiosity curiosity seekers uh because you know it's just like perch you know those small perch uh you know they're definitely going to be uh interested in something that's moving in the water column that they haven't seen but uh here too you've got to get these fish into that hole you can, if you're marking uh, bands on the outside of that cone angle where it's green uh jig jig and jig see if you can draw those fish in and, you know, if you see, say you're fishing in 15 feet of water and you see this green band at 6 feet above the bottom, jig uh, in that area. And many, many times you could draw those fish back into that cone angle. And so many times, too, you can draw more than one. Yep, exactly. Well, uh, Terry here, I've got to take a, a, a short little break. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment here. We'll continue our conversation as WKTY Outdoors continues in just a few moments on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. 
race to savings at Menards, your one-stop shop for pets. We offer it all, from food and treats to a huge selection of toys, bowls, leashes, and collars. Check out some of the great brands we carry like Purina. Tidy Cats neutralizes smells with triple odor protection, keeping the house smelling clean. Get it today for $11.99. Race to savings on everything you need for your cat and all your pets at Menards. Good through February 18th. When getting the job done right is job one, you need construction equipment that's built right. From compact track loaders to the world's number one selling compact excavator, the Kubota construction lineup features durable Kubota engines, more comfort, and the versatility to do it all and do it right. Visit your local Kubota dealer today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit Portland Implement in Cashton or go to PortlandImplement.com. It's the shortest month, but at Ace of Lacrosse, it's still packed with red-hot buys. Celebrate backyard birds during National Bird Feeding Month. Save on Ace Suets, just 99 cents. Bags of bird seeds start at 6 bucks. Update your kitchen and bath with 20% off mowing faucets and shower heads. Tackle those painting projects with buy one, get one half off Ace Clean Release Painter's Tape and Best Premium 9-inch Roller Covers. Find these red-hot buys and more through February 28th at Ace of Lacrosse, Mormon Cooley Road. Every day, the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Lacrosse changes young lives. It's a place for youth from all backgrounds to learn, grow, and find inspiration. When you donate to the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Lacrosse, you help programs that encourage life skills, character building, and leadership development. Learn more about what the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Lacrosse does for the youth in our area at bgclax.org. This message brought to you by Features in Holman. Food, family, and fun. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. I'm Kevin Millard. It's 8.55. And joining me is Tackle Terry Tuma. And as always, a good conversation here on a Saturday morning. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to touch on, Terry, was uh, when should, you you know, we talk about, we we talked about this during the summertime, changing out your line. How often should you be changing out your ice fishing line? Well, first of all, that's a great question. I've had a lot of people asking that. If you're using a braided line like crystal uh, ice uh, fire line, you don't need to change it every single season. In fact, you can fish for it usually for a couple of years. And But with mono and fluorocarbon, you know, if you're using just, say, one or two rods, and I would definitely replace it throughout the winter, uh, you know, at least once, maybe even twice. You know, if you're just using two basic rod and reels, uh, the reason being is, one, uh, you know, mono does wear out. Uh, also, two, if you've got a lot of memory in your line, uh, get it off and put fresh line on. The other two is check it constantly for nicks, you know, especially with the mono and the fluorocarbon. You know, just the ice conditions can cause some nicks in the line. And once you have that nick in line, you can reduce your poundage of test by 50%. So there's a lot of factors that we need to really change uh, and adjust accordingly to with the fishing lines today. Yep, exactly, exactly. And, I mean, and it's 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 a... It's a cheap alternative to losing fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. You know, I don't. I'll never forget that this individual. This was summertime fishing, and he he said he was out fishing. He had a great big walleye on, and he automatically started to think, you know, I didn't put new line on. So he was very concerned that he's going to lose that fish. But fortunately, he did catch the fish. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Now, one other thing that I wanted to touch on here, just briefly too, is. Um, you know, talking during the break here about uh, 
the spring bobber and telling, uh, letting that be an indicator of what's actually on the other end of the line. Tell me about that. That's sure. What on the most now? This is not all, every single bite that you uh, are observing. Is that if a, with the spring bobber, if it sort of bends real slow, that's going to indicate that you got a bigger fish on. If it just sort of uh, bounces up and down, if you will, that's an indication you got a smaller fish. Uh, so there's a lot of factors. And then the same thing when you're setting the hook with a spring bobber. What we have to understand here, and especially if depending if you're using braid or mono or fluorocarbon, but that spring bobber is going to give. So therefore, then you need to set the hook a little bit firmer because if that spring bobber, you know, we have to if it, it, and it's going to bend way down uh, when, when you got a fish on, especially if it's a bigger fish. So you have to put a little bit more effort, if you would, in setting the hook. Uh, so there's a big factor. But two is that we think that that spring bobber has to you know, bend down with a bite taking place. It does not. If it just flickers, set the hook. Uh, as you and I mentioned just previously, uh, hook setting is free, and uh, so many times you're going to catch that fish. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Terry, uh, we're out of time uh, with the with the show. I want to thank you again so much for joining me uh, this morning on the program. Uh, I, I, I always appreciate you sharing your knowledge with uh, with me and, and with the, the listeners, so thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Good luck to all of our ice anglers out there. Catch a lot of fish, release some of those fish. Mm -hmm, exactly. Well, Terry, you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Kevin. Likewise to you. All right. And that's going to do it for the program today. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll do it again next Saturday with another edition of WKTY Outdoors. So until then, be safe, be well. If you're headed out onto the ICS, yes, definitely uh, be safe. Take all that and the spud and the safety gear with you as well. Be very careful out there. So until next week, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.